0: Amen. Pray with me this morning. Faithful God, you have been faithful to us. This is our story, Lord. Everywhere we've been, everything that has happened to us, Lord, you have been with us through it all. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. And we admit that your faithfulness is a safer subject to speak about than our faithfulness to you. But Father, we come not as those who have earned your love or your mercies that are new every morning, but as those who have received them by grace. And since we have received grace, God, at least let us be grateful today. Let us become gracious people because we have been graced by your presence, because you have been gracious to us. We give you thanks in the strong name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. God is good. All the time. All the time. So I want to add my thanks um, to Larry's words to the veterans. My dad is a veteran, and I'm so grateful. Um, that life of uh, growing up all over the world while my dad was traveling uh, with the military was a very good life, and I'm grateful. Uh, To have been a part of that, and I recognize um, what a blessing that's been to our country, and I would say uh, in the countries around the world as well. I thought about that this week momentarily as uh, Melanie and I and some of our really good friends were sitting and watching Les Miserables, and uh, that's um, for for Texans that's less miserables, but um, in French it's Les Miserables, and it's um, from a book by Victor Hugo. And it's a, it's a powerful story. Um, and in it, there's a scene of, of the barricades where young men are willing to risk their lives for freedom. And it brought to mind all those uh, emotions and thoughts that we have. I've most often seen that story as a powerful story of forgiveness. That image of um, this man who is forgiven for stealing the silver from the bishop and given even more silver that story of him being forgiven and then choosing to forgive uh, the gendarme, the um, captain of the police, Javert, who chases him almost to his death. And when he has the chance uh, to uh, take revenge on Javert, he refuses to do so. It's a, it's a profound picture of one who has received grace. But I have to tell you, I, I get something different uh, each time I see that story and this time the gripping scene for me and I think for Melanie as well was that picture of Fantine um, lying there in the bed knowing that she's about to die wondering who is going to take care of her daughter and then entrusting that responsibility to Jean Valjean. And if you know our family's story over the last three or four years, you know that when I saw that, I, I saw it through different eyes and remembered my cousin Christy uh, passing away. And, uh, and I am sure in those uh, last months of her life, even while she was here speaking to us and wondering who will take care of Casey when I am gone and God entrusting us with that privilege of caring for her. And I wondered as I looked at Jean Valjean, and saw him um, go and find her in the forest and pay 1,500 francs uh, for the right to take her away from those who were not being kind to her, and then giving her everything he had, I wondered, what changes a person like that? What takes a man who was convicted as a thief and spent 20 years in prison for stealing and turns him into a person Who can't wait to give to other people. And I think the answer to that is a simple word. Grace. Grace touched his life and transformed him completely. And I hold out hope that God can do that for me. And also for you. So would you open your Bibles with me? This morning to 2 Corinthians chapter nine verses six through fifteen. If you don't have your Bible with you, uh, there's one there in the pew. If you'd like to look at that, or I think we'll put the words up on the screen as well, so that you can follow with us. A powerful story. Last week we talked about saying grace. Today I want to think with you about giving grace. Let's stand together in honor of our God and His Word, and hear the word of the Lord. Today, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we find ourselves in verse 6, where Paul says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now... but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Because of the surpassing grace God has given you, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Thank you, you may be seated. This is perhaps the most comprehensive teaching about the relationship of grace and giving. In the entire New Testament. Jesus had much to say about giving. Remember uh, his encounter with the rich young ruler. uh, Remember the widow's might. Jesus had much to say about that. But I think it is Paul's work to show us why you and I would be involved in giving. You saw it, I think, in that video at the very beginning of this service. But we see it powerfully in this passage where Paul says, I want to talk with you, chapter 8, verse 1, about the grace of giving. That giving is all about grace. And he goes on to use this word grace and gratitude. We can see the connection in English. In Greek, it's even more It's even more noticeable that grace and gratitude are inextricably intertwined with each other. People who receive grace are grateful enough to give grace to others. And Paul says to the church at Corinth, you pride yourselves in being excellent in everything. Now, he says, be excellent in the grace of giving as well. And if you wonder why, he says, here it is. It's in um, chapter 8, verse 9 when he says he Jesus um, who was who was rich for your sakes became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich and for Paul all gratitude was centered in the gospel of grace and he ends up saying to the church at Corinth when you give it is a sure proof of the transforming power of grace in your life and others will give thanks to God and he says the great news is giving has a way of changing you it has a way of changing others and it has a way of blessing God as well and if you like me sometimes wonder How can I give the ultimate glory to God in this life? The Apostle Paul makes it clear here. So here it is, resolved. I will give God the utmost glory I can possibly give him. And the best way for me to do that is not only to thank him for the good things that he has done for me, but to share those good things with others in ways that cause them to say thank you to God as well. Because when I say thank you, that's just addition. But when I live in a way that makes other people grateful, that becomes multiplication and God receives exponential glory through his people as we live lives of giving life away. And so he shows this that, that giving has a way of blessing us. And I think that's what he's saying in these verses when he says if we give sparingly, we will, we will only receive sparingly. But if we give generously, We will receive generously and I want you to notice that he describes it in verse 8 in a way that helps us when he says God is able literally God is powerful God is dynamically powerful this is how powerful he is notice the word all there he's able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times having all that you need doesn't that sound comprehensive at all times You'll have all that you need because God is powerful enough to give you all that you need so that you can abound in every good work. You have heard by televangelists of old that you give in order that you can get. But I say to you, we give in order that we can receive seed from God so that we may give even more. And he goes on in verse 10 just to say, and by the way, it, that which God gives to you is simply seed so that you can plant it so that God can make even more of it. Think of it this way. If you're giving gifts at this uh, Christmas season coming up or in this Thanksgiving season and you, and you call UPS or you call... Um, FedEx or somebody who's going to give this um, to them for you and they pick it up at your house and the delivery person takes it home opens the package and enjoys whatever you put in there you would eventually find out about it and you would want to say to that person that was never yours I only gave it to you as a delivery person. I placed it in your hands so that you could take it to Aunt Alice or to Uncle Frank or whoever it was. And I say to you, God says the same thing to us. What he says is, I only gave that to you so that you could give it to somebody else, so that they could give it to somebody else because every time the grace of God is given God receives more gratitude from people and receives more glory in his people. And after all, this life is not about us and consuming things, but this life is about planting seeds that grow. And that's why Paul uses this sort of agrarian image. That's why he speaks about casting seed. It's why he, he wants us to know, as he says in quotes from Psalm 112 verse 9, Uh, there in in verse 9 of this passage he scattered abroad his gifts to the poor I've always read that as God God has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor but when I went back and looked at it this week I discovered in Psalm 112 it's not talking about God it's talking about people and so when we scatter abroad the gifts that God has given us and give them to other people then then our righteousness God God begins to bless us and and he begins to show us his righteousness in us and that's why he says that this seed that we plant will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness we have the chance in this world to do good for others but when we do it does good for us it helps us in ways that really matter. I remember uh, this week, um, Melanie said, There's a rock on my windshield in my car. I was saying goodbye to her and Casey as they were taking Casey off to school, and Melanie was heading to work. And, and she said, There's a rock on my windshield. And I reached and grabbed it. It looked like a rock until I picked it up and saw that it was an acorn. You um, probably have the same problem at your house. And I said, no, it's not a rock. It's, it's, just an, it's just an acorn. And as I looked at this passage, I remembered this week a television show years ago. Anybody remember um, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman? Yeah, that was, that was a great one. And, um, but there, there, was a, there was a story in that where um, a lady is dying of cancer and a little boy's got an acorn and he says to her I'm going to plant this and it's going to become a great big tree and the woman in her despair says but none of us will ever live to see it and the boy in despair goes to his mother Dr. Quinn and says I'm not even going to plant it what's the point Um, she says nobody will ever see it and she said oh but you need to plant it anyway because by this time next year it'll be about half your height and in a couple of years it'll be as tall as you and when you're old enough to go courting you and your uh, beloved will sit in the shade of that tree and someday your grandchildren will be on a tree swing in that tree and you'll get to tell them how you planted that tree and it's true a hundred years from now when this tree's a hundred years old you will not be around but all that matters is right now you hold a hundred years in your hand so by all means, plant it. Maturity is planting trees under which we may never sit. It's some um, writing music to which we may never dance because we know that somebody will sit under the tree. Somebody will dance to that music. And for their sake, because we hold, Paul says the seed that will become righteousness. It's not just a 100 years, but we hold eternity in our hands when we hold the seed of the gospel. And Paul says, it's about the gospel. It's about the good news. It's about what God has done for you and passing that along. And so when we give, it blesses us. But it not only blesses us, he says, it blesses other people as well. And so he shows us in this that, that when we give to others, verse 11 we're, verse 12, we're supplying the needs of God's people, but we're not only sharing with them, he says in verse 13, but we're also giving the end of that to everyone else. And so we um, make all we can, John Wesley said, so that we can save all we can, so that we can give all that we ever Can. This is why God has put us in this world, not so that we can acquire and accrue possessions and wealth, but so that we can share what God has given to us with others. I saw it in a sign on the wall at MD Anderson, which said, There are three rules for life. The first is be kind. The second is be kind. The third is be kind. And the best we can do with what God has given us is to give it away so that we can be a blessing to others so that they will give thanks to God because we have been faithful as God has been faithful to us we have been faithful to share what he has given with others and this passage teaches us that you and I have the chance to be a blessing to others I was at the Mam gala this past uh, Friday night and uh, Melanie and Casey had something else they were going to do and um and I said to Melanie, but you might miss something good. And she said, I know, but I'm going to do And I said, okay, well, I'll go. And, and I got to sit beside Deborah Duncan, And uh, hang out with her that evening. She was the MC and I was just the person who um, did the uh, invocation. But we got to talk a little bit, both Air Force brats and kind of share life. And and as we were there, there was a a woman who had moved down from the Midwest, lost her job, um, was overqualified uh, for some jobs because she hadn't completed her education, was underqualified for others. She couldn't find work. And ma'am helped her, retrained her. She has found a job. And I wish you could have heard as she stood and, and gave thanks and said, I don't know who all gave the money that allowed me to be trained so that I could get the job. All I can say is that I had given up and then I heard about ma'am and I decided to go and that changed my life. And just in her story, I was reminded, we really do have the chance to help other people. So when George Bruner is um, passing out turkeys, when... Um, when the the Christmas gifts are given, when you and I are involved in worship and action and we're giving to the mission centers and we're a part of that and now they're involved in stopping human trafficking through our city and they're involved in that and committed to that ministry. What you know is that we may not in this life know what we've done, but we know that God is going to use what we do to help other people. It's today our young families in in our Bible study classes, they're working on preparing Thanksgiving baskets for refugees from Iraq um, through our ministry with Butch and Nell Green here in the city. Furniture was given this week. All of these things are ways that you and I, and I just want to be a voice to say, Tallowood, you have a great reputation for generosity. Let's live up to that reputation. Let's continue that history of faithfulness because there really are people in need. And if you're a person who says, I just want to, I don't want to help people overseas. I just want to help people right here. That's great because there are plenty of people right here. But the truth is the world has moved here. And so if you want to do the Great Commission in your backyard, all you have to do is walk next door. Because our city is filled with people who have come from across the world and they are waiting and watching to see if the reputation of Christians is true are we really people who give our lives away because when we do we show them that our God is the giving God not the God who wants to take from us but the God who wants to give life to us and when we give We give him glory and I couldn't help but notice just this chain of grace in verse 11. The last part says it will result in thanksgiving to God. In verse 12, many expressions of thanks to God. In the middle of verse 13, people will praise God. Um, Verse 14, the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God. Verse 15 what he shows us is in this chain of grace God gives to us so that we can give to others and in our thanks and their thanks God receives the glory which he alone is due and it's easy in this world to sort of think that life is all about us but we would be wrong if we thought that I read this week about a businessman who was going to an important business meeting and He's looking for a parking place. You ever experienced this? Just last night, Melanie comes to me right after our evening worship service and says, how would you like to go to the Galleria with me? I thought, not very much. I didn't say that, I just thought that. Because she's Christmas shopping already, and there are boots down there, and those boots are on sale. And there's a 12 year old in our household who wants that particular pair of boots. We went to both Macy's. Did you know there are two Macy's in the Galleria? Who knew? You know? Sage, Hidalgo. Why do we need two Macy's? I'm not exactly sure. But neither one of them had heard about the boots that were supposed to have been set aside for us. Somewhere in the world, there's a person named Dee who's holding boots for Melanie Brooks. Where she is exactly, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know where she is. Dee's wondering, where is Melanie? But it never happened. And after an hour and a half, I thought, wow, is this it? And I just sort of walked through the, um, the, great, um, the great worship center of consumerism we call... The Galleria, bigger than any worship center in the city. They say the most attractive tourist attraction in our country is the Mall of America up in Minnesota. Twice as many visitors as all the Disney theme parks combined. This great cathedral of consumerism. And at the end of it, you'll pardon me if I say, doesn't it leave us empty? And people understand that. I read this week about a a young girl who was cutting herself and engraved on her arm the word empty. How can we be empty in a world that is so full of stuff except that this world is not ultimately about stuff? And this man who was looking for a parking place for his business engagement, he wasn't a religious man, but finally in desperation he said, if there is a God up there and you will give me a parking place, I will give you the rest of my life. I will stop sinning. I will go to church. I will be involved in Christianity if you will just give me a parking place. And right then, miraculously, a parking place opened up and he said, forget it, God, I've already found one for myself. And we could do that. We could look at the blessings of this life and say, look what I have done. But we couldn't be more wrong when we do. And so he says, when we give thanks to God, glory overflows to God. Because God alone deserves the glory. And glory for God comes from transformed lives. Lives like Jean Valjean's who went from thief to, bene- to, to benefactor who loved give to other people I read this week about a man in Detroit who um, became a Christian this was uh, many years ago and uh, he was baptized and he went to work the next day with the back of his pickup loaded with parts and with tools and he brought his boss out and said I want to give all of this back and he said where did you get it he said I've been stealing from the company all of these years and I've become a Christian and I want to give all of this back And they contacted Henry Ford and they said to him, uh, this man has done this. What what do you want us to do? He said, I want you to stop up the Detroit River and baptize the whole city. (laughs) I want everybody to give back everything they've stolen from me. And the world is watching to see if believers who have received much from God are really transformed by the grace of God to no longer be takers, but to become givers so give for your sake, for the world's sake, for God's sake. Give your life away in the name of the one who gave his life for you. This is the gospel. Let's pray. God, thank you for your amazing love and grace. We are trophies of your grace, God. Our stories are not about how we have accomplished things on our own. Our stories are about what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. And today, Lord, we pray that the seed of the gospel which you have planted in our heart would take deep root and it would change us and we would change the world and you would receive all the glory. That's our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.